Good evening. The Shabbos we read Parshas Vayishlach. Once again, as we know that Teda is not a story, but rather Teda is Lashon Heiro. With a lesson for everything and for everyone. And as we know, the lessons that we learn from the Teda, the fact that Teda is not a story, but rather each and every word and each and every statement, each and every line, and as far as the Bekiva went, each and every Tagum on top of every crown of every word has a purpose We begin the parsha of Yishlach Yaakov Malochim. Yaakov sends angels to his brother Esav. And Rashi immediately tells us angels, Malochim is Malochim Mamish. First, we have to remember and understand Rashi says, I only teach Pshute Shamikra. I teach the simple explanation of the Pasuk. If it's not the simple explanation of the Pasuk, Rashi leaves that for the other in depth Mepharshim, the Ramban, the Rambam, Erechayim, Daskenim, etc. But when it comes to Pshute Shalmikra, the actual literal sense what the Pasuk is telling us, Rashi concerns himself with the Ben Chamesh, the Mikra, with that child that's supposed to be starting to learn Teda at Ben Chamesh at the age of five. And Rashi wants to make sure that the Ben Chamesh, the Mikra, understands exactly what the Pasuk says. It's a very big concern to Rashi. 
So therefore, there are times where Rashi's explanation to the Ben Chamesh the Mikra sometimes bewilder us. Vayishach Yaakov Malochim, for example, the Ben Chamesh the Mikra learns the Pasuk and says he sent Malochim. He sent angels. Why would he think it meant anything else but Malochim Mamish? The simple explanation, says the Rebbe, that a person that sends a shaliach to do something dangerous is culpable for anything that happens to this person. According to this, According to this, since Yaakov knew that Asa was coming to attack him and wanted to kill him, so he finds, therefore, we find that his sending messengers, his sending any kind of shaliach to greet Asa was surely endangering the messenger. And therefore, Rashi says to the Muhammad Shmikra, do not fear. It was Malachim Mamish. The interesting question is, well, the people on Skype were, some fell off already, some are on again again. The interesting question is, Malachim Mamish, where do you have a right to do that? The Mazichim Magid tells us that he took the essence of the Malachim. Malachim Mamish, the translation isn't real Malachim, but rather the Mamoshes of the Malachim, the actual essence of the Malachim. He did not split them and tell them that you're a soul and you become a body. He took a malach in its completion, the complete and total malach, and he sent this complete and total malach. The question we have though is, with what right did he have to send the malach? On what basis does he go and take a malach to do his dirty work? We go back to the same expressions that we've had and that I've been taught all my life, Akopanam. With every mitzvah, we create a malach. Every mitzvah, we create a malach. And therefore, as I've said many times, my grandmother, my, mother, my father's mother, 
was very adamant. And when you did a mitzvah, you did it completely. If you drove somebody home from a wedding, from a bar mitzvah, from an event, drive them till the door, the Maish used to say. But Mama, right here, there's two houses off the corner, I can leave them here. No, 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 go around the block. Jalavanisht, she used to say, Jalavanisht. Nemmahim. And she explained, as metuta mitzvah macht b'shaft men amalach. When you do a mitzvah, you create a malach. If you don't do the mitzvah completely, you're going to b'shaft a hinkedik amalach. You're going to create a crippled angel. Do it all the way. Haste us that by doing the mitzvahs that Yaakov has done until now, Yaakov has amassed his own army of malachim. It was those malachim, of those malachim, that Yaakov sends forth. And therefore he had the right to do so. I'm going to go off that subject for a moment. I want to go into a very interesting discussion of, of Rashi's. In the Gemara Masech Nazir. Amongst the many things mentioned in this week's Parsha is the birth of Binyamin and Dina's wandering. Dina wanders where she doesn't belong to the world of Shechem and we know the consequence that suffered from it. Shimon and Levi came to the defense of their little sister And they devised a magnificent plan. They said, everybody, if you want to marry my daughter, our sister Dina, you have to, everybody has to become Jewish. Everybody has to be Megaya. So everybody has a brismila. On the third day, when everybody's weakest and in the most pain, they kill them all out. Amazing plan. These are real, general type people in Shimon and Levi, if they came up with that. Tells us the Yamada that Shimon and Levi at the time were 13 years old. They were 13 years old. These 13 year old little boys pulled off a stunt like this. Now the real question that you may ask, in case it never really occurred to you after all these years, Shimon and Levy, <laughs> you went, listen to this question, bring a cookie here, what's going on? Shimon and Levy, they said that we're going to go and we're going to have them all do a bris mila and we're going to kill them all out and we're successful. How do they know for sure they'd be successful? How do they know this whole thing works? They were 13-year-old kids. How do they know that if they'll make them a bris and everything else, then these people would be weak and they would kill them all out? Nice hot cookies out of the oven. Are you kidding? Whole wheat. Whole wheat. You're not listening to the Vart. Hello. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> the was, if we give them all a bris, what happens to them? They become Jewish. Jewish. So if they're all from Shechem, if they're all Shechem, they're all Goyim, and we, Shimon and Levi, go and attack them, all the Goyim, all the nations around are going to come defend them. All the nations are going to defend them, we're going to be in Suras. But if we have them all do Brismila, no, they're going to be Jewish. Who's going to stick up for a Jew? Right. The Jews are fighting with each other. That's right. So this is the Manteda. But they, they didn't understand. 
when Shimon and Levi said they should get a verse on the head. The Manteda, the lesson that we very simply take from that is, as Mizovisim, that by the Goyesha world, and this is also in this week's Parsha, where Rashi t- teaches us a halacha, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai tells us that halacha Esav seina the Yaakov. Esav hates Yaakov. So much so that once these people consider themselves Jewish, they had no problem letting them be killed. Let the Jews kill each other was no problem. And Achman al-Litzlan only 60 short years ago we experienced the very same story. People that were not even Jewish, but married a Jew, or had a Jewish father, or something, the Goyim, the Nazis, in the building, had no problem pointing out to the soldiers, eh, eh, over here, this guy has Jewish blood, take him too. But that's not actually, that's all tangential. That's not what I wanted to discuss. I wanted to discuss a very, very interesting Gemara. Gemini, says the Gemara, with an from here. Shimei Velevi by Hishaita ben Shana. They were 13 years old. Hazu, Havu, excuse me. Anybody that wants to make the calculation, go out and make the calculation. A phenomenal Gemara. Sirashi, the Vimasl, the Biesi, and Sechus Nazir, I'm sure you all know, and Chaltesam and Bayes in the middle. Let's do it. If Rashi says it can be done, so let's try it. Let's do the calculation. Yaakov marries Leah. And Leah was their mother. After he marries Leah, he waited seven days and married Rachel. Till that point, he had worked seven years. But he had to work now another seven years for Rachel. Okay. And another six years for Lavan. So the seven and the six, therefore, are thirteen. Thirteen years and seven days, because we said that Rachel was married after the seven days. Then he ran away from Lavan seven days. He spent the night in a place called Ma'avar Yabek. And then he went to Sukkot, and he spent there 18 months. So now we have 14 years, 6 months, and 15 days. Those who are keeping score at home. He arrived in Shechem, Erev Shabbos Kedesh. Therefore, they stayed outside of the city. And they stayed outside on Shabbos as well. They didn't go in already. On Sunday, they came into Shechem, and Dina took the walk, and Shechem grabbed her. On the third day thereafter, when they were in terrible pain, Shimon and Levi took swords and killed them all. 
So at this point in time, it was 14 years, 6 months, and 20 days. For those keeping score at home. When Yaakov married Leah, until Levi was born, was a year. Excuse me, until Levi was born, every pregnancy, it says, she had pregnancies for seven months. All the Shvatim were born in seven months. But Farshim tells us it wasn't exactly seven months, it was six months and two days. Six months and two days. So in that case, Till Levi was born, if you have to add up, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, the third pregnancy, let's do it easily, Reuven was born from the first night, he became, she became pregnant the first night that Yaakov and Leah were together, from Beer as it says. And it's brought down Pirkei Rebelezer, as we said before, it was seven months that she had each child. The Chazal tell us the seven months was not really seven months, it was six months and two days. So we find that Reuven's pregnancy, Shimon's pregnancy, and Levi's was six months and two days each. Which now totals 18 months and six days. 18 months and six days. Wonderful. In between each pregnancy was two weeks that she was she was tumanida. Okay, so two weeks, two weeks, and two weeks. For Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, it's another six weeks. So therefore, it's now six months and twenty days. At that point, Levi was born. At the 12 and 20, right. So we find, therefore, on this third day, according to what we said before the calculation, that this took place after Shabbos, because they stayed out of Shabbos, which is now the 14th year, 6 months and 20 days, was the day of Levi's Bar Mitzvah. So therefore, we can count miyem liyem exact calculation how this was exactly Levi's bar mitzvah. And therefore, Shimon was also thirteen years old. They were both thirteen years old, but they're called Ish. Why are they called Ish? One months. It's twenty-one months. No. Eighteen months plus twelve oh, days. Wait. Um, why they call Ish? Because it goes to show us that from Bamitsa you become totally responsible for your actions. So then, hence we find, therefore, that the Miyem Liyem, when the Rashi says Miyem Liyem, he means it. A very touchy subject. Imlavon Garti. Rashi tells us, of course, that I was a Ger over there, I wasn't a Teshav, I was a stranger in the land. And then Rashi gets brazen and does something that the 
Bechomish, the Mikra doesn't lack, because Gematrias are not his speed. His speed is Pshutish Mikra. And he says, Gemat, that Garti is the same letters as Taryag. Is the same Gematria as Taryag. He could just say the same letters. He doesn't have to say the same Gematria. But it's Garti is Gematria Taryag, which means to say that in love on Garti and Taryag Mitzvah Shamarti. This is a poem that we knew when we were little children always. Speaking of remembering things from childhood. I wanted to take a moment here and concentrate on a very interesting prayer that Yaakov Avinu says. Yaakov Avinu cries out to the Ebrista Hatzileini no, please save me, miad ochi miad Esav. From the hand of my brother, the hand of Esav. Rabbi Isai. We all know the lineage of Yaakov, and we know the lineage, excuse me, we know how Yitzchak had one wife, Rivka, and she bore him two children, Yaakov and Esav. And they weren't born years apart, or we should be confused. Maybe somebody was born in the middle, they were twins. And we know the story, Esav came out first, he was holding his ankle, etc., etc., that's how he got his name. No. Hatzileini no miyad ochi would be sufficient. Hatzileini no miyad esav would be sufficient. Why would he pray an extra word, Hatzileini no miyad ochi miyad esav? And if, better yet, Hatzileini no miyad ochi esav. David. Why did you say it twice? You say just said Miyad Achi Esav. Would also be sufficient. Yaakov was very concerned. I have a <laughs> a cousin. It was actually featured recently on a few few months ago on Gem of her story of her when she lost her voice and on Yechidus the Rebbe spoke to her until her voice came back. She got married on Yedgimel Kislev. She's a few years older than I am. It was my Bar Mitzvah Yechidus actually. She's three years older than I am. And I remember her anniversary. And every year we end up somehow talking to each other around this time, for whatever it might be. Well, if not unless her mother's Yatza is a Shkedish Kislev, and my grandmother's is Yitches, and our grandmother's Yitches. And I always tell her happy anniversary. 30 plus years, just how do you remember? It's Chatoy and Imaskirayim. And I'll tell you that's Chatoyin Imaskayim because it bothers me very, very much actually. What bothers me? At her Afruf, at his, her husband's Afruf, there was a Kiddush. 
and the Pasha was Vayetzi. And someone said, someone was saying at Varteda, and he said, the Pasuk stayed Vayivga Bamokim. In the Pasuk it says, Vayivga Bamokim. And one of the people who obviously was under the affluence of Inkohol called out, Vayivka is Lushen Pagan. Now, I was a young boy. It was after the mitzvah, obviously. But I was a young boy, 15, maybe 14, 15 years old. And I remember the word till today. Vayivka, Lushen Pagan. This Shtus, and it's not even Shtus to Kedusha, taught me a lesson that sh- the Gemara that you'll learn the Chassidus that you'll learn the Rajba, the Ran, the Rosh, the Rif whatever it might be the Sif and Shachonorach that you're going to learn will last and will remember for a while you'll remember it then if somebody mentions it it'll recall oh I remember hearing that I remember learning that the Shtusen nah you remember them very, very clearly. They engrave themselves bechritz godel. It's geferlach, and therefore it's very important that we know that although there is a concept called shtus and although Rabbi used to tell a joke, milsa de bedichusa, before a shear, and the Rabbi explains in the Maimah what that used to do for the neshamas of the people to listen. Im Kolzeh. Im Shtusen are very, very detrimental. And most of the time, when the person starts with Shtusen, they end up with Lashon Hara, with other things that we shouldn't be discussing. Yaakov Vinu had a very big concern here. His first concern, more than Esav, more than being physically scared of what Esav could possibly do to him, more than being physically scared of Esav punching him in the face or shechting him or killing him or, re- or taking any kind of revenge for taking for selling, buying the Bechera from him, Yaakov had a different issue entirely. And that was the spiritual issue. His concern, his well-being for his children spiritually. He was concerned, what happens if this guy Esau comes along and says to my, to my children, What happens if Esau comes in the pretense of an uncle and as an uncle presents himself to the children, and says to the children, come to your uncle Esav. And then Chassashalom tries to influence them, not kill them Begashmias, but damage them Beruchnias. This was a bigger concern. This was a bigger concern to Yaakov. And therefore he says, Miyad Ochi, as a total separate entity, not Miyad Ochi Esav, Miyad Achi was one entity, Miyad Esav is another entity. If he comes as Achi, I'm scared of him. 
if he comes as Esav, I'm scared of him. And this was what, and therefore he precedes Miyad Ochi before Miyad Esav even. It was more important to him that his children should not be influenced by this Rosha Esav than it was the actual Esav doing damage to him. And this brings us back to him, Lovan Garti. Garti, Rashi says, is Ger. Ger, a stranger, is the opposite of a Tesha, of a settled person. I'm only here temporarily. And therefore, the Rebbe says, that the deep, deep explanation, really, of him, Lovan Garti, Tayag Mitzvah Shamarti, that even though Yaakov was hanging, as we say in America, with Lovan Arami, and he had all the ideas, all the things of Elam Haza, he has Sher, Hamed, Tzain, Eved, Shivcha, and all the things the way Chassidus explains each and every one of the entities, the concept of Sher, Hamed. Even though he had all this, still in all, these were Garti, these were strange things to me. I was not acclimated to this. I did not become one with this. And that's how we understand that we take the things of Elam Haza that he had and he made Geras out of it. Because in the house of Lovan Arami he was managed still to Tariyag Mitzvah Shamarti. And he didn't get confused with all these Gashmiistika things. Why does this thing keep dying tonight? But you know something? <laughs> Very strange message Yaakov sending to Esau. I have a share in Achamer. Actually, Esau tells him in Zenzo, yes, they love. Um, yeah. So his love was better than his share in Achamer. Uh, he definitely could have been more dangerous. What was he trying to get at? He says, Shere Chamer, Becher Shere Hodarlei, Vekan Reim Karnov, is Yasef. The idea, he says to him, whatever you come at me with, I have my Yasef, I have my union of Shere, I have my union of Chamer. The children that are represented by Sher and Chamer, as you see at the end of Bereshis and the, the Brachas of Yaakov, are what he was presenting to Esav to tell him that I'm invincible because I'm standing behind this. And this was a very, very street, big, big pride of Yaakov Avinu, his children. And that's why he was so concerned, Tafka with his children. And he didn't want anything engraved in his children that shouldn't be. We've told the story before. Two friends were walking in the street, Reuven and Shimon. And they were best friends for years. And he turns around and he slaps Shimon across the face. <laughs> Needless to say, Shimon was stunned, shocked. Sheesh again. 
He didn't say anything. What he did was, he took his stick, and he went over to the sand, and he wrote, today is this and this date, and my friend Ruben smacked me. Good. A little später, a few months later, they're walking again, and again Ruben turns around and gives the machmalia. No. Weiter and again he engraves in the sand, today, my friend Ruben smacked me. And this happens a third time and a third reaction the same exact way. Today, my friend Ruben smacked me. Bayim, and they're walking along the beach once, and a wave comes up and sweeps Shimon out to sea. It sweeps Shimon out to sea, and Shimon, Shimon obviously was caught off guard, he couldn't swim, he was, you know, one of the a person, you all of a sudden fall into the water, even if you're an expert swimmer, you just get lost, confused, and you just can't get out of it. And Shimon was going through the same thing. Reuven immediately jumped in the water without any concern, can I swim or can I not swim? How, what am I going to do for Shimon? I don't even know how to pull him out, but I'm going to go in anyway. And David Reuven Taka saved his life. Reuven saves his life, and Shimon stands up from the trauma and he's standing there on the beach and he takes a knife out of his pocket and he goes over to a stone and he engraves in the stone today Ruvain saved my life so Ruvain asked the obvious question my high the times I smacked you you took a stick and you wrote in the sand today I smacked you And now all of a sudden, I saved you, you didn't write in the sand with a stick. Rather, you took a knife and you engraved it into a stone. What's the, what's the, might have come in, and why all of a sudden did you change your approach? Amphitram, when you hit me, I knew it was a shtus, I knew it was a stupidity that you came out of who knows where. So I forgave it. I wanted to forgive it. So I just wrote it in the sand. One day the sand will cover up and it will go away. When you saved my life, I don't want to forget that. That I want to remember forever. And therefore I engraved it in the stone. Where it's not going to be erased so easy. Go backwards to the Pasha. Pasuk tells us that Yaakov arrives in Shechem. Vayava Yaakov Sholem Ir Shechem. Someone's off again, I know. Huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's, he keeps falling off, I don't know why. He's online. Oh, he's on a mobile device, that's why. Yeah, somebody's moving as well. Just in case you're trying to reach, he's currently unavailable. See? He calls his phone. Okay. Yaakov arrived Sholem in Yishchem. What's wrong with Yaakov Yishchem? He arrived in Yishchem. What's the Pshat Sholem? 
We have an issue in America. Not only in America, wherever you go in the world. In time and history, Jews have that problem. They try to blend in. Try to blend in. How many Jaimes do you know? How many Jacks do you know? Hymen. He won't call himself Chaim Yankel in his office. He won't put on his office Chaim Yankel Goldberg. He'll write Hyman Goldberg. And if he gets really smart, he'll write Hyman Gold. It's another famous thing that we've discussed many times, the song of the colored candles on the windowsill. Where all the Jews that moved out to the suburbia, and they all changed their names. Well, they tell the story of Mr. O'Brien is sitting in his office. He gets a phone call. The secretary says, Mr. O'Brien, it's your mother, Mrs. Rosenberg. He grabs the phone. says, Mom, Mom, are you okay? And she says, Sure, I'm okay. He says, Mom, we, we, we missed you last night. We, we had a housewarming for our new apartment, and, and you promised you would come. What happened, Mom? It's a wonderful building you have there. What? A lovely lobby. And such a sweet doorman. Mom, you were in my building? In my lobby, talking to my doorman? Yeah, for about two hours. Mom, why didn't you come up to our apartment? Sophie is so upset. She wanted to see. She wanted you to introduce her to all our friends. I couldn't remember your last name. Changed his name there to O'Brien. You can't think of the last name. Yaakov Sholim. Sholim is Rashatevis. Shame, Loshen, and Malbush. He didn't change his name, he didn't change his language, and he didn't change his garment. Yaakov came shawling into Shechem, the same Yaakov all along. He wasn't influenced in Lavan, Lavan country, that he would come along there and he would sit there and he would become Jack instead of Yaakov, and he'd wear the uh, colored garments instead of the dark Oh, he'd speak the lingo of the land. But rather he stayed with the Lashon HaKadosh. This is... This is V'yakiv is Sholim. V'yakiv Sholim. He came complete. He did not change. And we find this later in Shemais, and we've spoken about it many times that he even left Mitzayim for the same reason, for the same schus. We find there's something very, very awkward though. Rachel gives birth to her second child. She gives birth to Binyamin. The midwife tells us something very interesting and very encouraging. 
What was so encouraging that she told her? Rachel knew that Yaakov had to have 12 Shvatim. And it was very important to Rachel that she give this last Shevet to Yaakov. However, according to the uh, Svarim, the labor for girls is usually much worse than the labor for boys. And therefore, her labor became was very, very intense. You make up for it later on. And she thought, oh yeah, huh? And she thought that the intense labor was a girl. She didn't realize, Nebuch, that the intense labor was because she was dying. So she tells her when the, when the child comes out that don't worry, it's a boy. Don't think that you let your husband down. It's a boy. So she tells Yaakov, call him Ben Oini. The son of my... Pasuk says, she said to him, call Son of my pain. And Yaakov calls him, says to her, don't worry, I'm going to call him Binyamin. Haim <laughs> is lying on his deathbed. And he says to his wife, Rachel, the car, I want you to give the son Simon. She says, Simon? Simon's a Michigan driver. Simon will destroy the car immediately. What do you mean give it to Simon? You should give it to Jack. Okay. The country home. I would like for our son Isaac to have. Isaac? Isaac, she says, he's single. Why don't you give it better to Benji? Benji has a family, children who'll appreciate the summer home. <gasps> okay. The store, I want you to give to Michael. Michael? Don't you know Michael is going to run the business into the ground within three weeks? How could you do that? Tell me. Who's dying? Me or you? Here he wants to give his last will and testament and she's telling him what to do. She tells Chakasha, Rachel's lying here, Rachman is not dying. You're like, she says, Ben Oini, what are you giving the name change for? It wasn't a change of name. It was a response to what she says. When she says to Yaakov, I want you to call him Ben Oini, she says, I'm very worried about this child. What hope is there for a child that grows up without a mother, Rahman al-Islam? I'm very concerned I'm going to sit in Gan Eden tortured. That what is he doing? What is he, how is he growing up? How is he, and I'll have to sit and look down from Gan Eden and be pained what he's going through. Zok Yaakov, No. Don't worry, my wife. Binyamin. He'll be a Benyamin. He'll be a right child. He'll do everything right. I will bring him up the way you need him to be brought up. I will see to it that he, that he brings you the naches that you're expecting to see.
This is therefore why he actually goes out and is brazen to tell a wife, a woman on her dying death, on her deathbed, that I'm not going to grant you the actual wish you're asking for, but rather Interesting question that's asked later by Esau to Yaakov in conversation. He asks Yaakov, and this is a question that also answers a question that we have in last week's Pasha. After Yaakov finally fights with the Malach all night long, and he gets tapped on his Gidanosha, Vayisa as Einav Esav lifted up his eyes, Vayaras Hanoshim, he saw the women, who are them? Who are they? He knew who they are. He saw the children. They're obviously his children. Were they not relatives just like they were to Yaakov, they were to him? There's a question the Mepharshim ask. We know that the Aves kept the whole Teda, Kola Teda Kula, Ajle Nitna. They kept the whole Teda before it was given. So Hayatach and Yaakov married two sisters. Where did he, how did he take two sisters? We spoke the Rebbe's answer last week. But the another technical approach is seen in this as well. Haitoch and Esav did not recognize Rachel and Leah because Gershon is Gayer Kilanelet. A Gair that's Megayer is as if they were reborn. They take on a total new look to them. And that's why, according to Halacha, one of the reasons, a ger does not have anything to do with their family, their past family. Their um, genealogical family, what's it called? Chronological? No. Their mother, their father, they don't have anything to do with these people. Why? Because Gershon is Gayakil and Eladami, you have nothing actually to do with them. You are no longer connected in any which way or form. Halachically. And that's why it's a big problem because a lot of Gayakil don't have a hard time with that, that actual concept. And when the mother or father pass away, they, they, they don't know how to, how to eat it. Am I not supposed to mourn? Can I mourn? It's, it's after all, it's my father, it's my mother. <laughs> my, my, my biological, that's the word, sorry, I, I couldn't find that word. My biological mother died, I can't, I can't do anything, nothing. And they know, a yid, a person passed away, was it shiva, kaddish, and all of a sudden now it's altsagunisht. Shouldn't even be shedding a tear. For a guy? 
So he says, Gershon is Gayer ki ilunele dami. Heyes Rachel and Leah were Megayer. Therefore, they did not have the the connection of sisters. They were not sisters anymore. So there's no problem marrying both of them. How do we know that? Because he says Mi'ela. Mi'ela, he did not recognize them because they had total new entities. We'd be amiss to miss out on the Pasuk. <laughs> we look at Chumash Bereshis, and there are several Pashas in Chumash Bereshis, Pashas Vayishlach being the eighth of the Pashas. You can count them quickly. Bereshis Neach, Lach Lachom, Vayelach, Aysara, Teldis, the eighth of Vayishlach. Very good. Comes out eight. And Vayishlach starts on chapter 32, chapter Lamed Beis, Pasuk Dalit. We go into the Pasha, Pasuk Yud Beis, Pasuk Yud Aleph, excuse me. Pasuk Yud Aleph begins with the word, Kateti Mikolach Hasad Mikolandis. So from Dalit to Yud Aleph, you have Dalit, Hey, Vav, Zayin, Ches, Tes, Yud, Yiralef. Yiralef is the eighth pasuk. The Gemara tells us that a person has to have anivas, has to have humility to the level of shminis shebeshminis, an eighth of an eighth. Has to have Shemini Shemishminis. No. Where do we learn that from? Where do we see that from? We see it from right here. Kotenti Mikolach Hasadim is the epitome of the Anivas of Yaakov Avinu. And where is it? It's in the 8th Pasha, the 8th Pasuk. The Shemini Shemishminis. There was a Chassid once. That was very, very humble. A tremendous honor. But Imamish, you could not find him do anything that would show any kind of uh, gaiva, any kind of... Someone said to him, explain to me. Please, excuse me. Where's your Shemini Shemishminis? You have to have an eighth of an eighth of, of, of gaiva. You have to have something to, to, to show some kind of ego. <laughs> so the Chassid said, listen here. Talmud Chacham has to have a Shmini Shemishminis. Talmud Chacham has to have an eighth of an eighth. After 120 years, I come to Maila, to Bezin Shemaila. And they're going to say, okay, you know what? You were a Talmud Chacham. But where's your eighth of an eighth? I'm very confident that we'll be able to squeeze and push and pull and improvise and compromise and we'll find an eighth of an eighth in, in my, my gaiva. Masha'en Cain, if I am more um, 
if I'm, if I'm more careful, if I'm more, if I'm more accomplished in my eighth of an eighth than I am in being a Talmud Chacham, they'll tell me, we saw that you have a lot of eighth of an eighth, but where is the actual Talmud Chacham? That I'm concerned. That I might not be able to answer. <laughs> so therefore, I have no problem with keeping it the way I'm going. But as we know, of course, in this expansion, that it's very important that we have to learn chitas, chitas elikim. To a certain extent, the Marash wants to be a to be vatlik zeda. Marash said his mother, the Vedaleya, came to him in a dream, and she said she was by the Balshem Hakadosh, and the Balshem said he'll be safe as long as he says chitas every day. Bashemtiv was pushing yet Chitas. Basak tells us that who went out to Shem Vayetze Dina Baslea. We know who gave birth to Dina. Why does the Terry repeat it? Leah had six sons. Bill and Zilpa had two each. It's ten. If Rachel would have only been Yamin, she would only have one shavit. And Leah was concerned that Rachel should not be embarrassed in front of Bill and Zilpa. That they have two and she has only one. So at the time that Rachel was pregnant, Leah was pregnant as well. Leah was carrying a boy and Rachel was carrying a girl. Leah was mispelled so hard that the Avish just switched them. And therefore, Dina bas Leah, because the whole reason that Dina existed was well, why was she bas Leah? Because only because of Leah's pulas, because of Leah's tefillas. But we actually look at Rachel Emenos tefillas. It's Rachel that we are concerned with. And as we'll discuss next week, Rachel Mavaka Alba now. But we shouldn't have to do that. We should be able to not discuss any kind of crying, but rather be out of Golas by then. Uh, interesting story.